Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I found a blog at westmonroepartners.com. Let me read one short sentence and it will set us up for our topic today. Quote, if it is frequently changing, it probably isn't master data. Now, the key in there is master data. That's what we're talking about today. So let me give you a little background. Out of the view of most business users, the enterprise data landscapes they have in their companies are dynamic. They're moving targets. They're constantly evolving. Organizations are doing so much with their data today. Your company, whether you're big or small, this will probably sound familiar to you. You're running hundreds of distinct applications. You're taking the data that comes out of them. You're replicating it. Where are you putting it? Into vast data. Data lakes. Just picture that for a minute. There might be trees around them, but they're data lakes. Then you're transforming the data and you're loading it into data warehouses. Why? You need it for reporting. And then you're migrating large data sets into the cloud for management. That's a lot going on with your data. So, How can your organization, your company, your business, however you call yourself, how can you ensure a single trusted view of the business that includes a 360 view of your customer data, that's something you really need today, an accurate insight into your supply chain, yes, you need that too, and for the office of the CFO, they're bothering you for precise financial information, and there's the challenge, but we have an answer today. The answer is master data management. And this is not a new concept, but it is becoming a new cornerstone of enterprise data strategy, meaning your company had better be on board because this is what you need to survive. So what are the business needs? What are the common challenges? And what are the best practices for master data management around the globe? I have two panelists who are experts on this topic, and they are going to help us figure this out. Let me tell you who they are, and let me introduce myself again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here. And if you're keeping track This is Season 6 of Internet of Things with Game Changers. We have to do a shout-out to Ira Burke at SAP and Ruja, who do so much work to put the show together behind the scenes, and we've got an extraordinary panel today. So now I'll tell you who they are. In just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Michael V. Jordan, and he told me not to call him Michael because that's what he was always called when he was in trouble. So he's just going to be Mike Jordan. I had to get that officially out. He is the Vice President of EAM Practice at Utopia Global, Inc., and in a little while, Mike will tell us what his organization does and what he does there. So welcome to Mike, a newcomer. And another newcomer, we're welcoming Silvio Arcangeli, and I have to spell that out phonetically, and I think I got it right. And he is a Senior Director of Solution Management for the SAP Data Hub. Welcome, newcomer Silvio, as well. So, you know, we start the show with an interesting quote each of my panelists send me, and this is a doozy we have from Mike Jordan. It's six words. Let me give you the background. Those of you who didn't see the 1991 box office smash Thelma and Louise, this is a quote from Thelma and Louise. Meek housewife Thelma, played by the definitely not meek Gina Davis, joins her friend Louise, played by the definitely not meek Susan Sarandon, an independent waitress on a fishing trip, and things go incredibly violently wrong. Along the way, Brad Pitt comes in as a con artist cowboy, and this apparently made his movie career. It was a memorable performance <laughs> and a memorable part of the movie. The director was really Scott, and the, the movie won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay by Callie Corey. So here's the quote, everybody. Listen up. You get what you settle for. Mike Jordan, I can't wait to hear how you you relate the quote from Thelma and Louise, spoken by Louise Sawyer, and I saw the clip. She's in the car with the scarf on. It's a convertible, and her hair is blowing in the wind. You get what you settle for. How does that relate to our topic, Master Data? Mike Jordan, how are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. We're well, delighted. Talk to me about this quote. It rocks. I think it could apply to almost anything, so connect the dots for me, please. All right, sure. Well, it does apply to lots of things. Uh, This came along at a time when we were raising uh, three young children to say, uh, 
to give them a mantra that says live a passionate life and then you get what you settle for is is um resulted in a few cringy moments but in general (laughs) it's worked out okay um as we apply this to to master data um it 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 plays perfectly my company works particularly with asset intensive industries and and focuses on master data describing their assets Getting that master data right and keeping it right is is not a simple thing, but it has direct impact on productivity, on safety, on effectiveness, and and being a top quartile operator. It's Mm -hmm. not easy to get the data right and keep it right, but in general, uh, organizations get what they settle for. Now, Mike, when it comes to master data, you want to do a little level setting for us. What do, what qualifies? In my opening quote from the blog I found at westmonroepartners.com, it is, if it is frequently changing, it probably isn't master data. So is there one hard and fast definition for master data, Mike? Well, there is, there is a, a core body of information. If an mm-hmm. organization has an important piece of equipment in the field, they must know essential information about that equipment that tells the maintenance guys how to, uh, how to maintain it, that tells the reliability guys how to protect the future, that tells the supply chain guys what spare parts are needed. So we need that essential master data that tells the, the maintenance, the operations, the reliability, the real engineering teams what they need to know about that equipment in order to, to use it effectively. Okay, thank you very much. We'll be exploring that much more with you as the show goes on. Thank you and welcome, first-timer on Game Changers Radio. And now let's move around the table to Silvio Arcangeli. I think I'm still pronouncing that right, Silvio. I'm really working yeah, at it. Right. And so thank you. And Silvio, Silvio will tell us a little bit later where he, where we are calling him today. I'm sure there's an interesting yeah. story. And he has sent us a quote from Alan Saunders. However, the quote most of you will recognize as part of a John Lennon song called Beautiful Boy, Darling Boy. It was released in 1980 on the album Double Fantasy. happened to be the last album that John Lennon and Yoko Ono released before his untimely death. He was assassinated, as you probably know. But the quote, and I'll get to it in a second, the quote really came from a man named John Allen Saunders, who goes by Allen Saunders. He lived from 1899 to 1986, so he died six years after the album was released. He was an American writer, journalist, and cartoonist. Those of you who remember when you would open the nightly paper and look for the cartoon strips, you might have remembered Steve Roper. You might have followed Mary Worth. I remember that one. Oh, I was in the womb. Carrie Drake, Mike Nomad. And he also had a son named John Philip Saunders, who continued two of his father's strips. This was quoted from Alan Saunders in a 1957 Reader's Digest article. And here is the quote. Listen up, everyone. This is Words to Live By. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. That is in the Darling Boy, Beautiful Boy song, but it it correctly comes from Alan Saunders, and Silvio knew that. Silvio, welcome. How are you today? Very well, thanks. And also thanks for uh, all the background information on that quote, because uh, <laughs> as, as you know, I, I actually found it by John Lennon, so I wasn't really aware of, uh, of the fact that it was by Alan Saunders. So interesting story. Well, thank you very much. Talk to me. How does this relate to master data? It's a serious topic. It's a technical topic. And here we've got this beautiful quote. I think anybody can use this quote almost anywhere, Silvio, because, hey, it's it's what we're living. This is part of who we are today. So related to the topic for me, please. Exactly. So first of all, I think it describes human life in general because we, we often spend uh, a, a big part of our time uh, thinking about the future, planning about the future, or even you know, sometimes just making fantasies about what our future will be. And in the meantime, life is, is, is what's happening while we do that. And uh, so, you know, th- that, that's why the, the song in it originally uh, came to my mind. But, but then, in my, let's say, in my business experience, I found out that organizations, enterprises, and businesses are typically made up by, by people. So that human factor translates almost in a straightforward way even to businesses because many times uh, I find organizations that spend a lot of effort 
days, weeks, months in planning projects, in designing and doing perfect designs and uh, perfect plans about what the next wave of the, of the business will be. And in the meantime, life is what's happening around it. And, uh, and, and in these years in particular of very rapid evolution, as you said at the beginning, this is even more true. So the, the context is typically changing the game while the, the organizations were doing completely different plans. Thank you very much. Do you, do you think, um, Silvio, and I'll ask Mike the same question, do you think if data could speak, and I know it speaks, I know we take information and we mm-hmm. analyze it and we pull insights out of it and we, we do all kinds of analytics to it, do you think if data could speak, it could say, wait a minute, that's not what I was supposed to say. It, 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 what's going on around me? Why, why am I swimming in a data lake with too much other stuff and nobody knows what I really want to say? Do you think the data could speak and it would say that? <laughs> Yeah, very good metaphor. I think if data could speak, it would be currently uh, um, uh, sort of a, a coil of, of very different voices that tend to overlap with each other, and uh, and sometimes they even conflict. So that's that's really uh, the issue that, that that the businesses are facing uh, today, and that's why we speak about master data because we need to try and and get that noise back to to something which which is like singing a song in the end, which is what we need in order to, uh, to evolve a business, to innovate, or even just to run it efficiently. Thank you very much. Let me ask you a question and let me go back to Mike. Uh, since there are just two of you on the panel today, we're, you're both going to be doing a lot of talking. So my question is, is there a life cycle when data, we won't start with where and when it's born, but how long... Is master data supposed to be kept as master data? Does it go out of style? Is it aging out? Silvio, I'm just curious about this before we we dive into the topic. Any thoughts you could share with us? On data life cycle in particular? Yes. Uh, Yes, yes, of course. So uh, every data has got a life cycle, and that's one of the the biggest challenges in trying to uh, facilitate that life cycle and monitor it and... and, uh, enable it across the enterprise. And in these days, in particular, the topic is becoming even more burning because, uh, as you know, most enterprises, if not all of them, are trying to, uh, to, uh, start to leverage new intelligent technologies like machine learning, for example. Mm-hmm. And those new technologies are very promising on one side in terms of innovation power on the business, but on the other side, they bring in a lot of new challenges in terms of life cycle of the data because the decisions that an algorithm can take are only as good as the data that you feed it with, the data that you train it with. And, uh, and therefore, making sure that you train it constantly, you retrain it, and that you have data which is up-to-date and clean and reliable is, is crucial because otherwise the innovation might become a complete fla- failure. So, uh, And this is on top of the usual... Um, need that every business has around managing the life cycle of their normal data, the, the, the things that they were doing even five years or ten years ago about data aging, about making sure that you delete the things that you're not supposed to store anymore, which are becoming even more mandatory now with new uh, legislation and, and uh, regulations like GDPR in Europe, for example. So it's a very broad topic, I would say, and very complex topic as well. Thank you very much, and we're going to tackle just a little piece of it, but I know our listeners will appreciate it. Mike Jordan, thoughts about life cycle and master data. How, does, how do you know when it's time for it to retire? <laughs> well, <laughs> when we're speaking about master data, about assets, Bonnie, the, the, the age of the data really maps to the age of the asset. In, in first world countries like the U.S., we're dealing with a lot of aging infrastructure. Some of our important utilities are are running 50, 80-year-old equipment. So uh, some of the data must be old as that equipment is old. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very important that we have that data right because now the, the smart guys that just knew what to do are aging as well, and they're retiring. So <laughs> we have to have the accurate information about that, that equipment in some system of record because the guys that used to know aren't going to be around anymore. It's becoming more of a burning problem as, uh, as our workforce ages as well. 
Thank you very much. And now I'm back to you on your side of the table, Mike Jordan at Utopia Global. I have three questions for you because I know our audience around the world would love to know a little bit more about you and about Silvio. So, Mike Jordan, here's the first question. Where in the world are you today? The second question, what's your favorite drink that powers you? I see your wonderful smiling PR picture here. I'm looking at you and Silvio. I keep the pictures of my guests in my notes so I I can see like I'm talking to real people. I know you are. And question number three is tell us a little bit more about Utopia Global. How did the company get its name? How long has it been around? And what is your specific role? So, Mike Jordan, you're up first. Sure. Well, you, you caught me in my home in Alabama. Um, Ooh. I grew I grew up in the South and uh I'm quite happy to, to be back here now and I'm I'm happy today to be below the freezing line. So we're getting mm-hmm. rain but not uh not the snow that all those northerners are getting. Tell me about it. So, <laughs> I'm in Durham uh, by the way. Did I tell you that I'm in Durham? All right. Okay. So not so far north. Just rainy. Just very, very rainy, but very, very cold. I think it's about 37 today. That's as high as it's going to get. It has to stop raining all day, and it's gray and cloudy. So we'll, we'll just go with that. So what's your favorite drink, Mike Jordan? Well, it's a bit early in the day for me, but uh, on a rainy day like this, I'll be sitting in front of a big picture window with a, a nice scotch in hand. So a nice peaty scotch that uh, needs no ice and, and uh, just lets me sip slowly and watch the rain is is about as good as it gets for me. And do you have a favorite brand of scotch you'd like to share with us, Mike? Oh, Lagavulin is my favorite. It's the peatiest. Um, friends don't want to sit next to me because it smells like motor oil, but uh, it's an acquired <laughs> taste, but it's certainly mine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very interesting. And tell me about Utopia Global. Where is it based? How long has it been in business? What's the focus and what do you specifically do in your role? Well, Utopia has is, is been in business for 16 years. Uh, we're based in Chicago. We're a global company and, and we're tightly aligned with, with SAP. That's why we're in their Internet of Things conversation. Our focus oh. has always mm-hmm. been on master data quality. Um, we began in the services world to to clean up organizations' master data for for all things uh, across the board to get the data right in the SAP system. In the last six years, we've we've built a complementary software practice around SAP's master data governance tools, so we can now engage with a customer on a holistic front to say, let's get the data right and then deploy mm-hmm. the software to keep the data right. My particular okay. role in the company mm-hmm. is, is, is I, I run their enterprise asset management practice. So my background is all engineering. And um, I focus on working with a client's head of maintenance, head of engineering to do exactly as we're describing, to uh, define how to maintain critical data about their assets so that they can improve their safety, improve their productivity, improve their asset availability, and, and reduce MRO supply chain costs. Thank you very much. Nice to get to know you. And now let's move around the table to Silvio Arcangeli. And Silvio, where are you today? What do you love to drink? And what do you do? Hmm. I'm alone today in Italy, so I'm enjoying the winter here in Rome. For us Romans, we would say it's cold, but I guess that for your standards, it's probably <laughs> mild, actually. <laughs> we, we don't have snow. We very rarely have snow here in Rome. Lucky, lucky. Uh, my favorite drink. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, as a favorite drink, I would probably pick Moscow Mule. Uh, uh-huh. um, I, I love that cocktail, and I even purchased, uh, purchased uh, a couple of copper mugs. To, uh, yes. <laughs> I have to tell you that on yesterday's, one of my shows yesterday, Silvio, I asked the same question to one of my guests, and he said he had recently discovered a cafe near, I, I think it was another part of North Carolina where I live, called Dot, Dot, Dot. That's D-O-T, D-O-T, D-O-T. And they mm-hmm. specialized in, I think he said Moscow Mules, and I looked it up, and we talked mm-hmm. about the copper mug and about the ingredients, and I read the recipe on the air. So this is two days in a row people have talked about Moscow Mules. I'm going to have to go get me one. Okay, so I think I have some copper mugs here somewhere at home. So talk to me about what do you do at SAP? What's your role? 
So at SAP now I work uh, within the database and data management division, so um, in the technology division, let's say, and I'm responsible for the go-to-market and solution management, we call it, of a product named SAP Data Hub, which is our big data fabric. And uh, in general, my background is uh, in technology, so I'm, I'm, I was an enterprise architect before, uh, so dealing with very large transformation programs in big companies, and I've spent... Uh, my whole career in uh, in, in middleware and information management that was really my uh, my background and how I got to uh, to SAP first and then to this role um, a year back on uh, on Data Hub and uh, Big Data and Data Fabric in general. Okay, thank you very much. Very nice to meet you. And again, I'll do a shout out to Ira Burke, who sponsors the series, and Ruja, who helped put this panel together and get everybody set up and prepared. Very much appreciated. I am in North Carolina in Durham. As I mentioned, it's cold and rainy, 37 degrees, very gray outside, which means we're blue inside. But at least it's not the snow and sleet that they predicted. Right, Mike Jordan? For the South. And I know that New York is somewhere in the 20s. And so we'll take, by the way, if, if you could convert the temperature in Rome, Silvio, what temperature would it be on the Fahrenheit scale? Can you do that for us so we can be jealous? Uh, that's, that's tricky. So <laughs> I'm more used to centigrade, as you can imagine. So All right, give us a centigrade. <laughs> How much? <laughs> We're around 13 or 15 grades centigrade. So, 15 degrees right, centigrade. Okay. All right. We, Mike, do you want to do the math for me while I'm talking here? I'm 15 degrees centigrade is, oh, it's 59. Yep. 59. I did it. So it's uh, yeah, okay. 59. So it's just about 60 degrees, which is would be lovely. It, it would really, really, <laughs> really be lovely. Thank you very much for making me even more jealous, Silvio. So I'm sitting here in my home office doing radio, to a second show live today, and I will, I hope I don't shock Mike and Silvio, but I am not allowed to go near anything caffeinated with caffeine in it on radio show days. So all they let me have is water. So I have a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water. A couple of ice cubes have melted because I've been sipping it for a while, and I'm happy to be here with the two of you. And I just wanted to give one quick definition for our listeners. We are going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll do a deep dive into the topics about mastered data that Mike Jordan and Silvio Archangeli have sent me. But just anybody's wondering what the actual definition of MDM, you may see those letters, Master Data Management. This is from Wikipedia. I don't know how accurate it is. I'll quickly ask Mike and Silvio if they agree. In business, MDM, Master Data Management, is a method used to define and manage the critical data of an organization to provide, with data integration, a single point of reference. The data that is mastered may include reference data, the set of permissible values, and the analytical data that supports decision-making. Mike, agree with that definition? Oh, I think it's a bit narrow for us. Um, oh! It, so, it, it's, it's right as far as it goes, but... Um, there is a system of record that contains certain master data. In an asset-intensive industry, frankly, there are several that contain different aspects of the master data. So a maintenance organization owns certain parts of that master data, engineering other parts, reliability other parts. So it's really a, a um, network of, of systems of record, and we must maintain synchronization among all of those systems. So the explanation's good. It's just, it's, it's a bit narrow for me. Okay, thank you. That's why I read it. I wanted to get your take on it. Silvio, any thoughts you want to add to that definition? Yeah, in general, I would say my, my pick as an enterprise architect would be that master data is all of that uh, enterprise data which doesn't belong to one specific transactional session so and, and that rather supports uh, transactional data and operational data in general so um, it can be a very wide uh, data set as, uh, as, uh, as Mike explained as well but I, I think as a basis the, the, the Wikipedia definition is not too bad anyway it's a bit narrow I agree with Mike but not too bad Okay, good to know. You know, we never know where these come from. We don't always look at the the notations or the bibliography of, of who contributed them. So good to know that it's reasonably close. So I tell you what, we're going to talk about reasonably close. We're close to our halfway break here. We're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. Please don't go away. We have so much more. Our topic, especially our topic today, is so important to all companies of all sizes. It is master your data before it 
Masters You. My special guests are Mike Jordan at Utopia Global and Silvio Arcangeli at SAP. I'm Bonnie DeGram, and I plan to still be me after the break. We're going to take 90 seconds. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening. Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back, and it's an important topic. applies to any company, wherever in the world you are, whether you're new, whether you're just starting out, whether you're what I call the big behemoth enterprises or somewhere in the middle. This is important. Master your data before it masters you. There you go. My special panelists are Mike Jordan at Utopia Global and Silvio Arcangeli at SAP. We're going to dive into the roundtable now, and I'm going to look at some notes my panelists kindly sent me before we went on the air. And here's one that's very interesting. I think it goes to a topic, uh, we'll call it trust, and we're going to talk about this with Mike. So Mike told me, while IoT, that's Internet of Things, is wholly dependent on accurate data, there is a major crisis of confidence in data, and I know Mike has some statistics from various sources. So, Mike, please tell us more. Sure, sure. Well, this is this is the, the dark secret. I mean, it's so fun Ooh. to talk about what's possible with, with IoT, but according to KPMG, 56% of CEOs are concerned about the quality of their data. Mm. Um, I, I, I've not actually met one of the 44 that think it's okay. I, I believe it's, 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 it's higher than that. And, and organizations, people will sit in the, in the, our conferences and say, wouldn't it be nice to do this shiny new stuff with IoT? But when they go home, their teams are saying, we can't do that, boss. Our data is crap and it just won't work. So this is one of the large impediments to achieving IoT is getting a quality of data underneath that, that's sufficient. Um, SAP in, in our partner briefings will, will be up front with that and say data that you don't trust is not data. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bold. That's a very bold statement. So the implication is data isn't just information packed somewhere swimming in a lake or in a warehouse or something, that it has to have certain qualities and qualifications. Am I right on that, Mike? Exactly. And it, it, given that the underlying substance changes all the time, the data has to be governed. You have to have master data governance or this data that you think is, not, is data is just not right. And IoT works remarkably badly with wrong information. It allows you to make wrong decisions faster. 
Okay, let's get Sylvia to chime in on this, and then I have a question for both of you. So, Silvio, do you do you like those numbers from KPMG? KPMG, 56% of CEOs are concerned about the quality of the data. We don't know if those are Excedrin headache moments or those are sleepless nightmare moments, but they are concerned, according to Mike. Agree or disagree? Silvio? No, I, I, I totally agree, of course. So, And I would even generalize the, uh, the, 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 the statement because... Um, if we look back uh, at what uh, we did in Enterprise IT 15 years ago, 20 years ago, previously, we were trying to solve everything via centralizing the ownership of the data. So, for example, mm-hmm. in SAP, we were very good in, uh, in centralizing the data at first with ERP so that we were able to support consistent processes across the enterprise. That was a big revolution. And then another revolution was the Enterprise Data Warehouse, where we were trying again to centralize the data so that it was easier then to control the semantics, the meaning, and the quality. But these days, uh, IoT, for example, is adding uh, a whole new lot of, of, uh, of data sources and kinds of data which are completely different from traditional structured application data, and that's why people are so concerned with data quality because, in theory, it allows to innovate the business, to deliver very nice things like predictive maintenance, for example, saving a lot of money and so on. But then in practice, uh, it, it, if you have issues in correlating the, those new data with the existing master data and in making some sense by understanding the semantics of, of the data that you're analyzing, you're in big trouble. And uh, having this proliferation of new data sources and data assets everywhere in the enterprise is not making it easy to, uh, to do that kind of joining the dot work. Thank you very much. I, I have a question for you, Mike Jordan, and then Silvio. Whose job is it to say, uh-uh, the state is too old, it's not accurate, I'm the CEO, I know that my data does not have good quality. How do they know, Mike? Who tells them? Is there a governance committee? Is there somebody equivalent to a, the old CPA with the green eye shade sitting in the basement under the green lamp late at night saying, oh, this data really, really sucks. It's really not what we need. It's going to not give us that single point of confidence and truth, and we are in a data crisis in our company. How do they know, Mike? Well, it, it's it's a great question, and it, it plays to one of the one of the weaknesses in large organizations, um, the, the data owners, and at least in my space, in the asset arena, the data owners are the business people. They're the plant engineering people. They're the plant mm-hmm. maintenance people. Um, they're not the IT guys. So if, if you're just talking to IT, you're really not talking to the owners of the data, and you mm-hmm. may not be talking to the people that really know about the data quality. So CEOs really need an organization made up of business stakeholders, not just IT, or, or they may not get the information they need about, about what data is essential and, and about the true quality of that data. Thank you. Silvio, chime in. What do you think? Whose job is it to know, to look at the data and to make the pronouncement, which may or may not be believed, acceptable, or popular, this data is just not going to do us any good because it's not the truth. So what do you think? I think that you hit the nail on the, on the critical question because uh, what's happening in these years with, uh, with all the innovations like IoT, like uh, so social media data and you know, mm-hmm. customer data, which is uh, exploding and so on, is that uh, in the enterprise landscape, data producers and data consumers are, are, are growing uh, constantly, exponentially, I would say. So uh, mm-hmm. IoT, for example, is, is, is a huge source of data, a huge producer of data, and on the other side, uh, enterprises have already invested quite a lot in, uh, in new applications and new people as well to try and do something with that data. So, uh, again, things like predictive maintenance, for example, predictive engineering. Okay, so we have youngsters coming into the enterprise with their PhDs, developing models, developing new uh, machine learning algorithms and so on, and which would like to uh, consume that, that new data in a very greedy way. So... While the landscape on, uh, on the producer and consumer side has evolved and changed very rapidly, I think the same thing has not yet happened on the data curation side. So that's where uh, enterprises are lagging behind. So because the, the governance organizations are still tied to the same models that we used to have five or even ten years ago. So, mm-hmm. and, and today the, the demand is, is radically different. 
both in terms of checking the security and the compliance of the data and also in terms of checking just the quality of the data to make sure that all those algorithms and, and new stuff that the youngsters are producing can actually be used for real in a production environment without screwing the business. That's the, that's the key point. So there must be new roles on the data curation side underneath the chief data yeah. officer. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. If, if I'm, sorry. Yes, sorry, please. Bonnie, I'm not sure it's my turn. I would. Yeah, I would, no, no, it is your turn. Bounce would, back and forth. It's great. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. My pleasure. I would, I would build upon what Silvio said. It, um, these youngsters that are doing all the cool stuff, um, <laughs> they may inadvertently be making the problem worse because if you just look at the old, well, we call them stovepipe systems, the individual systems that have data in them. Um, the, the guys using those systems are able to look at that data and say, well, that's obviously stupid. I'll ignore that bit and do what I know mm-hmm. to do. But, but with the kids doing the cool stuff with ingesting it, analyzing it, building resultant information products, what they are in fact doing is taking obviously bad data and making it subtly bad which now it's, it's bad, but it's no longer recognizably bad. And that actually puts you in a worse spot. Interesting. I, as I'm listening to both of you speak about the quality of data, the veracity of data, who gets to decide if it's good or not, whether it's the IT people, whether who, who else in the business is it, is it any size business, just large businesses, brought to mind to quote one of my favorites because it sounds very clever. Let me just toss this out to you. It's W. Edwards Deming or Deeming, if you pronounce it that way, D-E-M-I-N-G, and it's in God we trust all others must bring data. Mike, have you heard that quote before? <laughs> That's, that's, it's well-spoken. Well spoken. Yes. No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad I brought that one up. Silvio, have you heard that quote before? In God we trust, all others yeah, bring I, data? I, I, I have, but I think we now need to update it, and we should say all others must bring reliable and proven data. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And speaking of reliable and proven data, Proven data. I, I'm looking at some of Silvio's notes. Just so the audience knows, my guests send me five paragraphs each about what they want to discuss on oh, the particular topic. Yes, yes, go ahead, Silvio. No, if yep. I can, I, uh, I'd yep. like to add something on, uh, on top of what Mike said. Because also, uh, yeah, sure. Mike was talking about those guys who are very knowledgeable of their systems and mm-hmm. their data. And uh, in, in, uh, in first world countries like the U.S., mm-hmm. they're probably now about to retire because some of those assets have been there for 50 years or so. Yep. And, uh, I heard the very same comment also in, uh, from, from some of our customers in Europe. They, they are talking about the fact that so far, for example, on their analytics reporting, they were relying heavily on some data heroes within the organization. So those few guys mm. who actually have a very uh, deep knowledge of the semantics of that data, and as, uh, exactly as Mike was saying, they're able to tell if, you know, if some data is... is, is is evidently bad or some others is more reliable and and do some massaging of the data as we used to say uh, before uh, sending the report to the management who is then taking the decision and uh, and exactly the point now is that with the with the rise of the algorithms that's not possible anymore so on one side because those guys sometimes are retiring <laughs> mm-hmm. on the other side because even if they're not retiring even if you still have those data heroes they will not be able anymore to keep the pace uh, in, in their massaging to feed those algorithms. So the, the, the problem is becoming very, very challenging. And that, that's why even though master data and its quality is a relatively old issue for, for mm-hmm. the enterprises, I think it has never been as relevant as it is today. Thank you. Really, really good points. So does this have anything to do with the, shall we just say, retiring versus aging out workforce? As you say, some of the data has been around as long as some of the people, 40, 50 years. Is this something that can be passed along in terms of, and you also mentioned, Silvio, even if they are present and doing it, the flow, the velocity, the stream, the volume of data is just so much that they may not be able to keep up with it. Is this a learned skill? Is this something you can say, okay, uh, Bob or Mary are getting ready to retire? and now we have Suzanne and, and uh, Jacob are coming in. I'm just picking random names. Uh, they're coming in, and we're going to sit them down, and we're going to teach them in three months how to do the job better and faster than the retiring staff. Is that something that could be done that simply, Silvio? I think we need more than that. So we need to, uh, to have a structured approach to managing the data quality and even just to manage the meaning of the data. So uh, enterprises in the next few years, they 
will desperately need to invest in a centralized metadata catalog, knowing that they cannot really centralize the data anymore as we used to in the past, because it will not work in the cloud days, in the IoT days. Data will be will be distributed. That's that's by by nature, let's say. But somebody will have to build a centralized meaning of the data. So uh, uh, centralizing the, the, the catalog of the metadata, making sure that the semantics of the data can be easily understood even by people who are not data heroes. So even to the citizen data scientists, for example, we need to make sure that they can rely on on, uh, on, uh, on the right data, making sure that they don't do the wrong decisions, for example, and, or, or they don't feed their algorithms with the wrong, uh, with the wrong data. And then on the other side, somebody else in the organization, we have to work heavily on the curation of the data and making sure that the quality is always high. So on that side, yes, we have to replace those heroes who are retiring because they will still be needed and uh, somebody will have to take their place. Thank you. Mike, love to get your thoughts on this. The retiring data heroes. I'm tweeting this and I find this fascinating. Mike, what do you think? Agree or disagree with the methodology that we cannot centralize data anymore? It's going to be distributed. Someone needs to build a catalog of the metadata. I think that's what Silvio said. Mike, what do you think? Well, two two aspects. One is is um, the, the the problem is is you know, in the last 30 years, our, our way of doing business has changed. Uh, in the times of, of our fathers and the guys that are retiring now, they would go to work for a place for 30 years and say, I'm going to do this job and and this is what I'll do. So they have the time to just learn it. And they just learn how things works and here's the way we do it. And And that's how they get past inaccurate data. They'll look at the computer, but they also just know what they need to do. Careers aren't like that anymore. No one, a millennial, can't expect to go take a job and then just settle in and learn it. They move from place to place. So the infrastructure that tells them how to do what they do has to be much smarter. But on the other side, um, we, Silvio, I'm sure, and and I as well, Mm -hmm. mostly work with organizations that recognize they've got this problem and they're moving on to... So what do we do about it? And and the answer can't be let's spend three years and do a boil the ocean effort to go learn everything about everything. I mean, we have to have very pragmatic approaches that says, what's the key information that we need? How do we gather mm-hmm. that quickly? And then as Silvio says, how do we put it in, in governed places, put it in logs and documents and governed sources where will collect the essential information and not spend forever doing it. And then let's put it in a governed environment so that if we get it right, it's going to stay right from that point forward. This is where we spend a lot of our conversation now, not in hand-wringing about your data's Mm -hmm. because they know it is. We're on to, so what are you going to do about this? Okay, Mike, I have a question for you and then for Silvio. How much time do companies have to find the way to clean their data, to get it up to the, let's say, the mid-level quality, the minimum standard quality, so that it's trustworthy, so that they can use it in their decision-making, in their pipeline insights, in their hiring decisions, in their marketplace trends analysis. How much time? Is this something that they have a day to do it? They Once they discover that it's not what it needs to be, do they have a day, a week, a month, a year? We talked about retiring old data. What's the life cycle of data? So how urgent is this? My Mike, I want a, an answer from you, and then I want to bounce over to Silvio. What What is the urgency of this need for cleaning it up and for governance to maintain it? Mike? Well, we have we have customers that say that uh, uh, 50% of their skilled workforce is retiring over the course of the next five years. Mm. So the smart, mm. the smart guys that know are headed out the door at alarming rates. So replacing the not just the aging workforce, but replacing all of the filters that can look at bad data and recognize it is is one of the urgent aspects. And that's in a short handful of years, much less than, than you would imagine. Interesting. Silvio, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with what Mike said, please. Oh, I, I agree. Again, I would add on top of that that... Um Cleaning the data is, is, is never a one-off exercise. So 
sure, if, if, if a company realizes that they have an issue currently with data quality, there will be an initial project to clean it. Maybe, you know, it could be supported by some kind of data profiling tool, for example, so that you don't have to rely just on, on gut feeling or, uh, or skills by some of the data heroes, but you, you can support them with something more statistical, for example. Uh, but then after that, so once you manage to, uh, to clear some of the garbage that you have in, uh, in, uh, in, in the system, it is a process then to keep it clean. And uh, I think that's one of the core um, needs for, uh, for master data management, as, uh, uh, as we call it. So keeping the data clean after you, you, set, you set it right at first, because that's a process, that's an ongoing process, because it, it involves all the areas of the organization that deal with the data constantly on a daily basis, because each and every change must be structured in a way that will not pollute the data and that will keep the quality at a high standard so that you can reliably use it then for uh, your uh, statistical purposes, for your decision-making purposes, and, and, and so on, even for feeding the, the, the new algorithms that we were discussing. Thank you, Silvio. Thank you, Mike, for that. I know we went a little bit around the block on this topic, but I have so many questions that are, that I think the audience would like to know. Silvio, we're almost ready for our predictions uh, round. We call it the crystal ball, where you and Mike are going to look into the future, and I think we'll go between 2020 and 2025 about what will happen to MDM. But I just want to quickly talk about one more of your topics in the notes you sent me. You say the move to the cloud is giving enterprise IT an unprecedented degree of agility and innovation potential, but on the other side, yep. it is amplifying the fragmentation of data landscape with often overlapping and inconsistent data sets in different cloud applications. Just briefly, in, in 60 seconds or so, can you tell us how problematic, how dire is this? Companies, oh, we're moving to the cloud, it's wonderful, we'll streamline, we'll save money, we'll share resources, yada, yada, and you're saying, uh-uh, not so fast, data is still a problem. What's your thought on that, Silvio? Yeah, so it's simple. In the past, uh, if a company implemented an ERP in the right way with a very successful implementation and didn't have too many other smaller applications around it, uh, you could get away with uh, just uh, controlling the master, all the processes that were creating and updating master data on the ERP because all your data was there, right? So we, and that was the promise of the ERP back then. So centralizing the ownership of the data so that you can keep the processes consistent and. Uh, Master data was, was not simple, of course, but at least it was centralized. In these days, with the move to the cloud, what's happening is that we are moving away from that, from that model, of course. There will be no company anymore that will be able to live with all the data, in, in, or at least most of the data, in one single place. Uh, because typically, cloud landscapes will always be relatively complex landscapes where you, uh, mm -hmm. you're using different applications or different services from different providers. Some of the data models might be inconsistent, uh, might use different standards. Some of the data might be replicated in the wrong way. And therefore, uh, managing the master data in the right way now is mandatory. So perhaps smaller enterprises could get away without it 10 years ago. In these days, it's not the case anymore. So mm. you need to have a structured approach. Even the data heroes will not save you anymore once you move to the cloud. The writing is on the wall. Maybe we should have led with that at the top of the hour. Mike Jordan at Utopia Global. I have, uh, let's say, 90 seconds for you to look into the crystal ball, peer into the future. How far would you like to take us with your prediction, Mike? And what do you have to say about the future of MDM Master Data Management and the companies that are around today? Will it impact how long they survive? Mike, 90 seconds, go. Sure. Well, it, it will certainly impact and and. Maybe being a southerner, I just want to leave on a on an optimistic, a positive note. We're <laughs> sort of happy people. Uh, you you don't have to look that far into the future to see good things happening. Um, we're finding really good success with with machine learning tools, um, so that recognizing that uh, for a piece of equipment. Uh, what spare parts to use, how to do maintenance, what the warranty is, all of these aspects of that critical data live in, in different places. Uh, we're finding now that there are technologies that will say, if I, can, if I can have a machine learning environment that has access to information sources, I can give it a manufacturing model number 
and the machine learning infrastructure can go find this information from the manufacturer's website, from the documents, from the various information sources, and can do that mining and build up the master data that that has long been lost. So it's now not just depending on the old guy, I hope he remembered this stuff, (laughs) but the the AI and machine learning tools are are coming to... uh, to the forefront as means to collect that data really quickly, get it in proper order, and at least help us get the data right so that we can do uh, master data governance and hope, or rather enforce the fact that it won't get messed up again. So we're doing that today. It's only going to get better over the next uh, three to five years. I like that Southern optimism. I'll go with that. Let's hope the weather improves, too, down here in the South. We need a little warmth and sunshine, and Silvio's going to send it over to us. Silvio Archangeli in Rome. Lucky you. 90 seconds. Predict for me, please. We're almost done. Yeah, so uh, I think that in the next few years, what we'll see is that uh, master data and metadata management will be crucial to every business transformation because the operationalization of machine learning and artificial intelligence will require a structured approach to managing the meaning uh, of the data and to make sure that that data is consistent. And that will, be, uh, that will make the difference between success and failure in the next few years. So it's, it's not something that, that enterprises can avoid. Thank you very much. I think the handwriting is on the wall, and it's very smart handwriting. I am so appreciative of my two panelists. You're both newcomers to Game Changers Radio, and you were, I'm going to say you were spectacular. Thank you so much for indulging my bouncing around from topic to topic. But Mike and Silvio, when I I get people like you on a panel, and the topic is so timely and so compelling, and it has such a wide application across all companies around the world, I think it's important for us to touch on it from so many different aspects. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your preparation. And again, thank you to Ruja for getting everything together for this episode. She does a wonderful job helping to prepare me for these shows into Ira Burke at SAP for sponsoring this series. And I think we're just about ready to rock and roll here. So uh, go to your Moscow mules and go to your scotches. And, and by the way, what time is it in Rome right now? Silvio, what time is it there? It's uh, 8.55 p.m. You are my hero. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I'm going to do my call to action here. And thank you, everyone. I hope you learned a lot about mastering your master data before it masters you. Yes, we said that. So it's out on the table now. So here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Definitely like Michael V. Jordan. Mike. Yes, you did everything right. We're not using Michael for the wrong words. Mike V. Jordan at Utopia Global, Inc. and Silvio Arcangeli at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, shouting out to Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, the business channel, our engineer extraordinaire for getting us on the air and keeping us there. Everybody go out and be a game changer for sure. Have a great day. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.